Amen. Oh, thank God for His goodness and His mercy. Hallelujah. Pastor Rob Watson is going to be bringing the Word today. I'm anticipating it, looking forward to it. I still, I still quote things that Pastor Rob preached 20 years ago and even longer than that. And uh, thank God for him. He was our youth pastor for uh, how many years ago was that? Him and Tam was our, our youth pastors. They had a huge uh, youth group and, and uh, did some tremendous things, tremendous outreach. And some of them are, are still here. Amen. Josh, how you doing today, buddy? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So everybody say, God bless, Brother Pastor Rob. Come on, man. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make it. Appreciate that. Appreciate that a lot. Um, you know, God is, God is such a good God. And, you know, I was thinking while we was back there worshiping, I was thinking of all the things that we just sometimes just say, and it almost becomes routine if we don't stop and think about how good he really is. And if we were to take a moment and just kind of canvas across our, our, our understanding of who God is, and, we'd, and just put, put him to the Tigger test. You know what the Tigger test is? Because Tigger's a bouncy thing because that's what he does best. But there are certain things that God does best. And if you looked at things in your life that you would say God is best at, what are some of the things? Just throw them out. We're not, it's not a quiz or anything, but just what are some of the things that you would say that God is best at? Forgiveness, which is washing away our sins, right? Which is redemption. What else? Huh? Faithful? Faithful. Faithful to us when we're not faithful to him. Faithful to himself when, when we've not done anything to earn. He's faithful beyond our man, ma, imagination. What would you say, Val? Patient. 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 Yeah. <laughs> He's patient. What else? Peace. He's peace. He's good at peace, yeah. He's good at giving peace. He's good at taking us from our, our anxious anxiety and fear. We sing the songs you know, about, about fear doesn't have any power over us because of him, right? So what else is he good at? Love. He's amazing at love. What kind of love? Agape love. Unconditional. Undeserved. Unmerited love. You can't hide from him anywhere in his love. You can't. You know, there's no place you can go that his love is not pursuing you passionately to, to, to rescue you or to be there with you. He likes hanging out with you. He likes hanging out with me. Sometimes I wonder why, just like we all do, but he does. He chooses to do that. What else is he best at? Grace, unmerited favor. What else? Victory. Charity. See, what we're doing is we're practicing glorifying God in, in greater width and breadth than what just singing the song or, or saying the words. You know, God is an amazing 
God, and he's big, and he's, he, he's, the, he's the best healer. He's the best conqueror. He's the best deliverer. He's the be- best king. He's the best priest. He's the best lover of your soul. He's the best in the Song of Solomon. He's the best in the Revelations. He's the best in Genesis. He's the best all the way throughout the Bible. He's the best when you get up in the morning. He's the best when you go, go to bed at night. He's the best when you feel great. He's the best when you feel bad. He's the best when you know what to do. He's the best when you don't know what to do. He's the best all the time. And this is something that we need to learn to glorify God more and more and more because the more we lift him up, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The more we lift him up, guess what happens? He lifts us up with him because we're seated with him in heavenly places. So there's things that go on as we glorify the Lord. Jesus said, I've glorified the Father, and the Father has glorified me. He didn't put it the other way around. He often said, I don't glorify myself. He said, it's the Father that glorifies me. Why? Because he glorified the Father. Jesus set out to be completely, 100% submitted yielded to the Father. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit. So in, uh, from at, at 12 years old, let's just follow a little bit of a timeline here with Jesus's uh, plan, if you would, from the beginning. You know, the Bible says that he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? He came to set the captive free, right? He, he came to establish the kingdom of God's at hand. He came for, for uh, multitudes of reasons, but he set, he set out at, at the age of 12 in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. At the age of 12, I think Pastor talked a little bit about this last week, where, where, or maybe it was just when we were talking about the history that you were sharing with us. But he had set out, at the age of 12, he'd set out to be completely submitted to my father's, to his father completely. And so that when he stayed behind, and you guys know the story, they'd went to celebrate the Passover feast, and he stayed behind, and mom and dad and the family all left, and a few days down the road, a few days journey down the road, they realized he wasn't there, you know, and then panic stuck, uh, sunk in because Mary was trying to figure out, how am I going to tell God I lost his son? You know, so she heads back and she, she, they find him and ask him why he did this. And he said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know that? What was he saying at age 12? I've got one goal, one goal in mind, and that is to be completely submitted to my father. And even beyond that, even when he ended up uh, going back with them, the Bible says that he subjected himself from that day forward until the time for him to be called into the ministry. So, so uh, he, he was obedient to the Father even when, when he was, was staying behind to, to do the Father's work, but yet subjecting himself to his parents as obedience to the law. Uh, also, Jesus stated at his baptism when when uh, he went to John to be baptized, and, and John, remember John said, said you're not going to baptize me. He said, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus said this, permit it to be so, for it, for it, it is good for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
So even the Son of God, who probably didn't need to be baptized, was going to the, ex- to the extreme extent to say, I want to do everything to be submitted completely to the Father. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, it talks about him being led into the wilderness. So he was, he, at 12, he was, he was determined. At his baptism, he was, he, was, he was yielding himself completely. After his baptism, he's being led by the Spirit out, out into the wilderness to be tempted. And there in the tempted, he's got in, in, in the wilderness while he's being tempted, he's got one goal. I'm going to do the Father's will. I'm not going to do anything else. He denied three different opportunities to be self-serving or self-promoting or self-providing. He denied three chances to do anything for himself, which some of those you'd go, well, you know, not too bad. But he denied anything that had to do with himself because he was all about glorifying the Father. That was his goal. He said in John 8, 29, he said, I always did, he said he always did what was pleasing to the Father. One goal, one track mind, one purpose. Okay. He only did what he saw the Father doing in John 5, 19. He chose the Father's will over his own regardless of the cost. And in uh, Matthew, he said that he said he said that I have authority to. He said I lay my life down. Nobody takes it from me, but I lay my life down. He said I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. He said, but I lay it down willingly. And so he gave his life, regardless of his own cost. He gave his life to fulfill the Father's will. John ten eighteen. So you see, and I know that we know these things. I know that we know in part that, or that, that Jesus was submitted 100% to the Father. But he just, he did it in crazy ways. I mean, he, he, when, when the disciples come back and he, and he asked, you know, come, come to him one time and he asked him about if they had him, uh, if he something about feeding him hungry, and he said, he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Remember, remember, they just thought, where did he get bread at? Who fed him? Who snuck him a lunch? You know, was that approved? Um, they, you know, they, they, he, and he, but yeah, he was saying to do the will of my father is meat indeed. You know, now how many of us Get up in the morning and think, man, you know, just doing his will is just enough for me today. This really is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know, there's things going. He was, he, he was determined. Now, look, let's go to Matthew chapter 28. We'll go to this verse. Verse known as the... Uh, passage that's known as the Great Commission. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them. This was after his resurrection, and he's come back to his disciples. Uh, he came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority, all authority, okay? 
Now, we know this. I know we know this, but let's, let's think about this a minute. All authority on, in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. What's, what's go, therefore, mean? It, you, that means in this statement that I'm saying to you that all authority has been given to me, go in this fact, go in this, this uh, statement that I'm making to you to, and, and make disciples. It says, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he is saying that he has all authority in heaven and earth. Why? Because he surrendered everything to the, the, the authority, the Father. Right. And because he surrendered everything to the Father, the Father gave him authority. Right. Now let's, let's look at that uh, a little bit. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. We'll read this. Seen this the other day, and it's like, like bells went off, ding, ding, ding. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. This was when it said, when Jesus entered Capernaum, or Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to, to another come, and he comes, and to my slave do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness, that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So Jesus was, this one of the people that Jesus was impressed with his statement. He made a statement. He had an understanding that it, that he said, I too am a man under authority. Now, historically, I used to think that of this as just a, a, that you have authority and you're exercising authority. But what the centurion was pointing out is that you had to be under authority to have authority. Okay? So being a man under authority, he had authority, and all he had to do because he had the authority of the authority that he was under. He had the authority of the authority that he was under, so all he had to do down here was just say a word, go, and they go. Come. And they come. Or do, and they do this, or they do that. Who, who, was, who was the, was it uh, Lester Summerall that was the guy that was in Africa? I think it was after that one time, and that witch doctor come up to him and did all the, the hocus pocus on him, and he cast him out or whatever, cast the devil out, and laying in his bedroom, or 
bed that night, you know, the he, you know, he's going to sleep and the wind comes through the window and the curtains blow up and his bed starts to shake and it shakes clear out in the middle of the room. And he sets up and says something like, I recognize you. I cast you out earlier today and I'll cast you out again. Get out of here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Windows, clo- you know, curtains fall back down and bed stops shaking and all that. Starts later and goes, wait a minute, get back in here. This bed was against the wall when you, when you came in. I've put it back and the bed goes back. Now that's authority. But that's a person under authority, understanding, knowing that, that, that uh, authority that he was under had the right to demand that. Now, see, we have a little bit of issue in culture sometimes with authority. Yep. I remember an old song in high school said one of the, I don't remember the whole song, but some, some line said, I fight authority, but authority always wins. My brother used to think it said, I fight dirty and dirty always wins. <laughs> that applied too. So, uh, <laughs> Whew. but, uh, but when, when we understand that when we're submitted to an authority, that that authority is allowed to operate in us. Now, Jesus invites us to be under his authority. He said in John 1, 12, that as many as received him, he gave them the rights to become the sons of God, right? So he's invited us in by, by faith and believing in Christ that he gives us authority with him in heavenly places, okay? So... Uh, he said in he said in John fourteen twelve through fifteen. Let's let's turn to that. I want you guys to read it. John fourteen. When you start kind of looking at you know the authority, I think, and the submission, and you start reading through this, and you start reading through some of the epistles, the epistles. Uh, and, and you start seeing, uh, you're, you'll start seeing lines where where the the apostles that were writing these these letters to the church, different churches, where they were they were making statements along along this line. But uh, I'll get to that in a minute. John fourteen, verse twelve. He said, "Truly, truly, I say." To you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, whatever we ask in his name, now see, in his name is not a magical ending to a prayer. And, and I think too many times in our routine of life, we don't understand that statement that when we're saying in his name, we're actually making a statement of authority. We're saying in his name, I am submitted, into his, it, it, submitted unto him, and therefore I am, I am praying and declaring his will into a situation. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, he will do. Who's going to do it? He will, right? That's, that's what authority is. 
See, authority has to have power to back it up. You know, you know, if if you if you take a oh, I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, if there's a law that's passed, you know, and and you decide that you don't like that law, and so you're you're not going to follow that law. There, there, the the authority of the law exists, but there is a power of the law enforcement that comes along to enforce you by gunpoint if necessary, because that's what the law enforcement does, to enforce you to, to obey or pay, right? So in God's kingdom, you know, his, his power is, is, is present to, to enforce his will. The Bible says that his, that he, his eyes roam the, the earth continually, making sure that his word is being fulfilled. He's very diligent, more diligent than we understand. Yeah. So when we, when we have the opportunity to stand in the authority of God, and we were praying for some uh, young girl this morning, or actually last night, that was having a, a major seizure. And, you know, sometimes when we pray for healing uh, for other people, or for ourselves. Um, you ever feel like a beggar? You know, God never intended for you to pray that way. God never intended for me to pray that way. He didn't intend for me to be a beggar. I'm a son. Even if I'm a prodigal son, when the prodigal came back, he put him right back into his position and said, here's your, here's your, your, your robe. Here's your ring, ring of authority. Here's your shoes. Now, do some things, you know, do some things. And so when we pray for people to be healed, uh, you know, it, it's, it's from a position of authority because he said, go preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, right? Freely you have received, freely give, right? So if he's, anytime God says go, he's authorized, so he's given you the authority to do those things. So when, you, when we are coming up across people that are needing a miracle of God, let's stand in the, in the position that God's given us in authority and declare with confidence what God wants to do in that situation. So, but to answer that question, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know a little bit about what you think God wants to do. Sometimes God let, lets you be a part of that, you know. But when you come across somebody sick, is it questionable to you whether God wants to heal them? Why? Because it's what he does best. He's the best at it. He doesn't have a problem with it. Well, that guy did this and that guy did that. Throw away your qualifiers. You don't qualify either. And neither do I. And while you're throwing away your qualifiers, throw away your disqualifiers too because they don't matter either. All that matters is that God said, I have authority to heal the sick. I have authority to cast out devils. I have authority to raise the dead. Oh, there's chokehold on that one. Because we're just, our culture buys into that, that these things are just, you know, we'll go to church, we'll sing songs, we'll pray. We'll do things, and we'll 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 be our beggars. 
and yet God has set the church in the earth to be a change agent in the earth, to be someone, be a force to reckon with, you know. That's what, that's what God has set the church in here. Not, not to be weak or anemic, but be someone walking in authority and power. Now, walking in authority and power is, is, is somewhat this. Authority, how does authority operate? Authority operates by speaking. You know, it don't matter how much you pray for somebody, lay hands, smush them around, whatever, you know, it's, it's not your style that's getting them healed. It's your authority, you know. Now, if, now if you sit back and go, well, the Bible says, if, any, if, there, if there be any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church, let them, let them anoint them with oil and pray for them so that they'd be healed. If there be any sins, they'll be forgiven, Right? So if you sit back and say, well, if it doesn't matter what style, whoa, 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 whoa. Remember, it's the authority that we're submitted to. So if God says, submit yourself to the elders, let them anoint you with oil and pray, the, pray over you that you'll be healed then when you take a step forward to say, I need some elders to pray for me, you are submitting under that authority so that that authority can then now work in you and bring, and bring not only healing, but if necessary, deliverance. Because if you actually look in, in, in James, James is actually telling us uh, what to what to do when, when, we're, when it's not working, you know, when things aren't really going that well. Because generally when we just have an idea of religion, but we're not operating in it in a submissive way to God and, and, and trying to be more than what we are, because in trying to be more than what we are, that's what we try to do when we're not submitted to God. Okay, we do. We try, to, we try to make ourselves look good, get those long hymns, you know, the Old Testament or, you know, style, you know, long hymns, paint little nice bells and stuff like that. I don't know what we do today dress-wise, but uh, I'll let you think of that. But, uh, the, uh, you know, we try to make ourselves look more than what we are when we're not submitted. Isn't it funny, though, when we are submitted, we're not worried about trying to make ourselves look like anything. We're just trying to glorify God. You know, and the more we glorify him, you know, the more he glorifies us. And and the reason he glorifies us in that, that because he, because whatever we ask in his name, he will do so that the father will be glorified. He's got this kind of circular thing going. It's pretty smart, pretty smart. And in this circular thing he's got going, he's got us sucked, sucked right into the middle of it in a way that if we stay submitted to him, you know. He said, and let's go to Luke chapter 10. If you're under authority, you have authority. If you submit to, submit to him. All right, Luke chapter 10. I got to stop using the digital world. I'm forgetting how to flip pages. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Let me find my reference here. 
It says in verse 1, it says, Now after this, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others, sent them in pairs ahead of him into every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was, and he was saying to them, and it goes on, and he gives them instructions of how they're going to go out. And he gives these 70 the same instructions that he gave the, the 12, the first 12. And so they go out, and, and when they come back in verse 17, it says, The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, don't you know? I don't know. I mean, we, try, we sometimes put human emotions on, on, on Jesus, but uh, he was human. But if he's sitting there, he sent out 70 to do this. And he's sitting there, and he, and, and he can see this. You know, choo, 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 choo. He's like, yeah, it's working. They're believing. They understand. They're, ta- they're taking their place. They're, they're placing authority. And he said, he said, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in, in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. In other words, know Know that you have authority to tread upon scorpions. Know that know that 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 he has put you in a position that and when we're talking about tread, we ain't talking about tiptoeing through the tulips. We're talking about mashing, you know, stomping, moving through, mowing down. That word really has just that, just like just like the like the enemy is just standing up and you're just rolling right over him like a steamroller. But don't glory in that. You always glory in the fact that you're that that you are in him and he is in you. And you stay submitted to him. Because that's where in in James chapter chapter four, let's jump there and we'll we'll I think we'll wrap it up here pretty quick. James chapter four. He talks about where are the he's talking about where are the, the wars going, you know. That are, that are going on inside of you, where the, where they originate from. Hang on, here we go. What is? We're not going to read all this, but what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It's not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You you are envious, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So what we still kind of battle in, in our culture is the, the fact that our great-great-great-grandparents uh, ate of a tree that they weren't supposed to. And uh, that tree, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when, when you look at that word of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I always thought, well, why is this a, a tree of knowledge of good? I mean, they already know good. They know God. But it's not that type of good. It, it's the type of good that man is capable of creating on their own. It's that type of good. 
It's the, it's the type of good that says, I can be somebody, or I can create something, or I can be important, or I can be valuable. And so in, in the process of us taking authority or, or taking our positions as sons in the kingdom, you know, we have to be careful because sometimes we get sucked into that trap that we think we are somebody. Brother Robert Morris was telling a story about um, on on the authority issue, and he he was telling about when he was used to work with James Robinson's ministry, and and he told a little bit about what all they would do, and and there was a time frame in there where James Robinson was starting to learn about how uh, demonic uh, uh, oppression and stuff like that could could be affecting Christians and stuff, and so he would pray a prayer of deliverance. Uh, at, at the end of a service and stuff, and sometimes there would be a a demonic manifestation, and so they would they had a setup where they would usher him out so that they did because the devil likes to draw attention to himself, and it's not about drawing attention to him. He belongs in one place. Uh, so he they would usher him out, and they ushered this this lady out, and uh, they were having trouble where they were going where they were praying for her more intensely, but they were having trouble with with this this lady and he said she was a pretty good sized lady in terms of big and strong and uh uh he said apparently one of the people there said go get go get Robert Moore said he'll know how to handle this so here they come down and 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 got him you know and he said as soon as they as soon as he told me he said he said you know I thought he said kind of thought went through my mind you know about the when the disciples couldn't cast that that demon out and Jesus had to cast it out and he said, I'm starting to feel kind of pretty good about myself, you know. And he said, he said, when we walk down there and we walk into that that room, and and he said, this lady's got two guys on each side of her. And he said, when I walked in that room, he said, it's like she just threw them off of them and like they hit this wall and just slid down the wall. And she turned around, and looked at him, and said, I've been waiting on you. <laughs> he said, pride went all went out the door. He said, I was frozen. I was scared to death. He said, I wasn't sure what to do. I said, I didn't know whether to run or what to do. I wasn't sure what to do. He said, then I heard this little old voice over in the corner saying, stop it. Stop it. I said, he looked over there, and there was this 97-pound old lady over there had her finger pointed at, at that demon saying, stop it. And she got up and she went in and she said, I cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the lamb and the word of God. And, and I, and you let her go. And then he, and she put her, honey, it's going to be okay. Jesus has got you. And that lady just fell into her arms and hugged her. So, you know, staying humble before the Lord is key. Staying submitted is is imperative because when we get in ourselves and because we think we are somebody, then then uh, we miss it and the authority doesn't operate in us. And then we may find ourselves, hopefully not, but find ourselves in that place of the seven sons of Sceva who decided they were going to invoke the the name of Jesus that Paul preached, the authority of the name of Jesus, which... The demon recognized the authority of the name of Jesus, but he also recognized he had no access to it. Right. 
but we do. If we stay humble and stay and stay uh, connected, submitted to the Lord, knowing that, Lord, this isn't, you know, anything that we do, he tells us, keep my commands. What is, what, when he boils it down to a command, what's he, what's he tell us to do? Everything that we do, what's he tell us to do? He tells us to do is to love one another as, as, we, as he has loved us. So when we go to help somebody, it should not be for our own self-image or for anything about us. It should be because we're, we're wanting to help somebody else. You know, God helped me out the other day, day with this. He says, when he says, you're, you're, you're a, you know, when reading that, you need to love, love one another, love each other. I was like, God, how? How do I, how do, how do, you know, because, because in my mind, I was thinking, I got to, I got to feel something for you. Okay. I don't really have to feel something for you. I just have to show you love. I have to demonstrate to you the love that God's loved me with. I have to demonstrate that back to you. Now, some of you guys are really good at feeling. You love everybody. That's amazing. You're good at that. I may not be one of those types of people, and that's okay, because I can still treat you, and I can still help you, and I can still minister to you, and I can still come alongside you, and you can still come alongside me and minister to me, and I can still do all that because, and, and do the actions of love, knowing that I'm being obedient. I am being submissive to him so that his authority can work and flow through us, all right? So he, he, he was given authority over all the power. He has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. So when it comes to why it's not working, here, here in James chapter 4, we talked about that. We ask with the wrong motives. We ask for our own desires. You know, we ask amiss. Uh, you know, we just, we're not submitted and connected because if you look, James, James chapter 4, 7 and 8, he says, submit therefore to God. When the authority of God's not working in your life or it doesn't feel like it's working and you don't really have that inner witness that, that hey, we've got this, then we need to step back and say, okay, God, where am I missing it? Where have I, where have I gotten out from underneath your authority? Because that's exactly where, where, where I need to be because that's what this verse tells me right here. Because if I'm trying to kick the devil out of my, my house or I'm trying to kick him out of somebody else's life and I'm not getting anywhere, then, then the next thing I've got to do is come back here and say, okay, God, this isn't about me. It's about you. This isn't my kingdom. It's your kingdom. It's, it's what your will wants to be done here. And I'm yielding it all to you and I'm surrendering. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm cleansing my hands. I'm purifying my mind to be single focused, to know that God has said he has given us authority to tread upon scorpions, snakes, and over all the power of the enemy. He has given us all that so that when I submit myself to that, then the next thing that happens, he says, and, the de- and resist the devil, and he'll flee. You know, I mean, it's like he's just sitting there banging on a door, banging on a door, get God, yeah, and just working real hard, and it's not working. Okay, wait a minute, back up. Surrender, submit. Okay, now, open, and it goes. Understand? So, so that's the way God wants us to operate. Yeah. 
He wants us to to have that mustard seed faith. I liked what, what Miranda said the other day when she talked about that simple believing. You know, that's that's powerful, simple believing. But in my mind, it, it computes a little bit better when you tie it to a technological term because digital world is either on or off, right? And when he says that, that when he says that if you had... When back when the disciples couldn't cast the demon out, you know, and they came to Jesus, and Jesus was a little frustrated, right? But aren't we when it doesn't respond to us? Aren't we when we take authority over sickness, and that sickness hangs around a little bit too long? We get a little frustrated, right? So, so we get a little uh, put out. So we get back underneath him, and when he, when, when he cast the demon out, they asked him, how come we couldn't do it? And he, and he said, because of your unbelief. But he said, if, you're, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, and it would obey you. Right. See, it's still just authority. It's just speaking. It's just saying. And, and believing that the authority of heaven has got your back, okay? It's as though, it's as, I've seen pictures, some like this, it's as though you're that little, that little boy or little child or whatever saying, you better, to that big, ugly monster or whatever, you better back down, and all that big monster sees is that big, angel or that big Jesus right behind him because law enforcement is, is there. Do you believe that? Do you believe the law enforcement is present when you pray for people? When you, when, you, when you give an offering at church, you are submitting yourself to the authority of God. Therefore, rebuke the devourer for you. See? So it gives you authority over the devourer. The devourer no longer has the right to devour your seed. Okay? So when we worship before him, that's submitting to God. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. That's, the, that's what James 4 says. That's the drawing near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Plus, of course, you're just singing songs. Nah, let's worship God. Let's Let's... Let's go all. Let's go all in, or or go hard or go home. <laughs> what is it? Let's do it. Let's just do hard. Let's just go submit to God, and say, God, whatever you want to do. That's easier said than done. It's a, it takes a lot to sacrifice your plans because James chapter five said, you know, warns the the people about haste. You say you're going to go do this. You got these plans. You're going to go do that. So you shouldn't be. You shouldn't say that way. You're you're making your own plans. You should be submitted to God. You should say, well, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this. Or if the Lord wills, we're going to do that. It's all about staying submitted underneath Him, so that we can walk in the authority that He's given us. Now, wouldn't you rather, instead of just fight sickness, and we've got people coughing? I was sick. This week also, it seems like I joined a good club. Um, it hit a little weird, but I just, 
what I what I did, and I, I was better at it earlier in the week than I am right now, I'll be honest with you. But I, I just declared that I was healed in the name of Jesus. I declared what is in heaven to be on earth. I declared that I was healed by the authority of the name of Jesus. Okay? And then I rejoiced that I was healed. And I kept my mind for at least three or four days <laughs> into that position of not succumbing to the sickness. Okay? Now, did I, was I still sick? Yep. That, did I still feel bad? You better believe it. But my attitude was different. And my attitude was, he said that I'm healed, number one, so I know that's his will. He, he made the provision. He paid for it. He sure deserves that I be healed because I didn't pay for it. And so he deserves I be healed. He said that if I, if I ask for anything in his name, it will be done. So therefore, it's done. And I will just worship until it manifests. I will worship until it manifests. You know, let the enemy rage. Let him do what he's going to do. But at the end of the day, he's still under our feet. He's still defeated. We're, Jesus is still victorious. He's still on the throne. His word is absolutely going to prevail. He, his children are absolutely going to raise up in strength and glory because, because they're glorifying him and surrendering to him. He is going to prevail. Amen. So, I, so what that did for me, though, through, through those three or four days was it, I felt like it positioned me in a place of authority. And so what kind of what kind of transpired with the sickness was that it's almost like you know it's there it's there and then I said and it's almost like I knew it's gone then say it's gone it's going you know and 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 uh and that's the way it was last there too but did you know I still have to deal with that tree once in a while Hard as I'd like to keep myself in that mindset, my stinking mind just takes me other places. And so I have to rein it back in, tell my, my mind, you ain't all that, and right back down. You know what I mean? Stand with me, if you will. We're going to worship. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are not just memory verses. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abide in you. You know what I thought about that this last week? I thought, what are words? Words are thoughts. I know this is deep. Words are thoughts, ideas, beliefs, understandings, revelations. If his way of thinking, and the scripture tells us the heavens are above the earth, so are my 
And, you know, so are my thoughts above your thoughts, my ways above your ways. But he invites us back into that because he says, when you pray, you pray to our, our heavenly, our Father who is in heaven. Lord, bring me up into your heavenly thoughts. And help me to think the way you think. And let those, let those words that, that you bring alive from Scripture, let those words just come alive inside of me in a way that now I, I'm not just thinking mem- memorized Scripture, which that's good, but I am thinking the way you think and the way you see and the way you perceive life and people and myself and you and situations. When that man was born blind and they, were, and they were all trying to figure out what in the world caused this man's blindness. Was it his own sin or was it his parents' sin? That's man's perspective. But God's perspective is this, neither of that, but only that the glory of God could be revealed in this situation. How? By someone saying, taking the authority that God's given to declare or to touch and see them healed. If my words abide in you, if you abide, if I abide in you and your work and my words abide in you, you abide me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will.